0: You are listening to the Testudo Times Podcast Network. Welcome to the Testudo Times Weekly Podcast. Matt Levine, Lila Bromberg, and Jordan Gold with you today. We'll be recapping the Orlando Invitational for the Maryland men's basketball team and the Daytona Invitational for the Maryland women's basketball team. And we'll go over some other things. But we'll start with men's basketball. They're now number three in the country. It's just so impressive. 8-0 and start. What have you guys seen? I mean, just talk about a little bit right now, and we'll get into the games.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it was really interesting what you saw of college basketball this past week. uh, I was tweeting about you just had so many teams lose. You had eight teams in the top 20 lose. One of those teams losing uh, twice. Um, So there's a big shakeup and a big opportunity for Maryland, especially, you know, with number one, then number one Duke losing and Venn number three Michigan State losing um, and you know I wasn't entirely impressed with Maryland's performances in the first two games of the Orlando Invitational I thought they looked really good in the second half but again we had that same issue of really slow starts that just didn't make much sense but I have to say I was extremely extremely impressed with their performance against Marquette the best team they faced so far this season and they got off to the best start they've had yet. Uh, Turgeon made the decision to switch to switch with starting lineups and have Eric Ayala in there instead of Makai Mitchell. Uh, I think that's clearly their best five players of Cowan, Ayala, uh, Wiggins, Morsell, and Jalen Smith. And I think it really showed. Um, And I was just really impressed with the way that they were able to turn around the starts and just dominate uh, Marquette and the nation's leading scorer and Marcus Howard from start to finish. I think, you know Jordan and I were talking about this before we started recording. I think that's the most one of the most complete games we've ever seen from a Mark Turgeon team in College Park.
2: I I certainly agree. I mean, looking back, the only games that I could really think of that I thought were really even better games during this Mark Turgeon tenure was maybe when they beat Duke with Alex Land or some of those other big upsets they had in the ACC. But I think since joining the Big Ten, this was this was definitely one of the most complete performances we have ever seen from a Turgeon squad and I agree with what you said. It was it was really a sluggish start to uh start the Orlando invitational. I mean, I was I really thought that uh there was a chance they were gonna just ruin Thanksgiving and uh, lose to Temple. I mean they really struggled in the beginning of that game without Cowan. I mean who who knows where this team would have finished in that tournament. He was sensational all tournament long and he proved he provided that senior leadership that the team needs. I mean, when everyone else is struggling, he needs to be the guy to step up and say, "Hey, I can win this game for us." And he did that against Temple, and then against Har. Once uh, the Harvard game started, you saw Daryl Morelle really come into his own. He had back-to-back double doubles for the first time in his career, and and I mean, you can't say enough about how he defended Marcus Howard. I mean, this is the guy who is regarded as a top three to five player in the country, he goes out and scores forty-one and fifty, something like that. Yeah, in he's, the,
1: he had
2: forty-one and fifty. Forty-one and fifty. So it may the, have been forty and fifty-one, but he yeah. had
1: ninety-one the past two days. It was it was
2: <laughs> an insane tournament for Marcus Howard, and to go out and shut him down like Maryland did, primarily with Morcell. I mean, I think that just speaks volumes to Mark Turgeon's game plan and just how much Daryl Morcell has progressed and grown over his time in College Park
1: yeah and I think a thing that has often been a criticism of Turgeon is that he can't adjust and isn't good at making coaching adjustments and you know I'll say that was a criticism that I had going into the season and you know I think that was going to be one of the big factors that would make or break the team this season Um, but I think he really showed some impressive adjustments in that Marquette game Uh, he switched the starting lineup He was using, you know, ball screens for the first time to really shut down Marcus Howard. Uh, He really stressed with his team sharing the ball. And, uh, you know, he had talked to us uh, before of a game about just being really frustrated with them not sharing the ball. And so we sat them all down and uh, basically showed them like different clips of them playing when they were and were not sharing the ball. And was just trying, has been really harping on them to make smarter decisions. And I think you could see that in that game um and just the way that he's using different defenses and offenses you saw maryland able to execute against his own defense in that game which last year they could never do and that was really what made them lose a lot of really big games and so i think that if he can continue to make these adjustments that'll pay dividends for his team i mean you had every single coach after the game say in some form or another that maryland's making a final four or going deep in march um you know, you had the uh, Harvard coach say that they were na- that they were a national championship contender. Uh, you had the Marquette coach saying that, you know, he absolutely sees them in a Final Four. Um, the coach before that, for Temple, was saying he sees them, you know, going really deep in March. And um, I think that if they can play like they did in that game consistently, that they can make a Final Four and, and really have a significant impact. Because, you know, like we said, that was one of the most complete games we've seen from them. Um, and, you know, Turgeon sat down. The first thing he said at his opening statement was, I've been waiting for that. And so... If that can continue, I, I think this is going to be a really, really special season.
2: I totally agree with you. And like you said, the one thing that really stood out to me when I was watching this game a second time for the film review, I I mean, I could not have been more impressed with how they played against the zone defense. I mean, you can. there are just so many examples in the past of Turgeon's offenses just going so stagnant when teams put up a zone. I mean, comes to mind to me one of the – I mean, two years ago when they played Syracuse and <sighs> – Beheim went I mean obviously he's known for his 2-3 zone in Maryland the only reason they were in that game was because Kevin Herter had career day shooting the three-pointer and I mean I think the adjustments that he has made from then until like looking at that Syracuse game until now against Marquette like how they played against the zone defense is actually insane and I, I think so much credit needs to be given to Mark Turgeon and I think like you said also with the lineups the lineup I mean, I think people had been clamoring for this lineup all season long, and I think that's pretty normal to, you know, try out a bunch of different lineups to start the season because you need to see um, what's going to work best for your team. And originally, he was trying to go with two bigs on the floor like they did last year with Bruno and Jalen, and I just think that the offense just runs so much better when it's just one big out there. And also, they had they're really playing more cell and kind of like a flex position between like a guard and. A wing on a lot of sets, they have him setting up down low, which I think is really impressive and uh, just continues to show the growth of Morcelli. He's so versatile; he can really do everything for this team, and it's it's going to be exciting to watch over these next couple of months. I definitely think this team can uh, make some noise if they're they're putting together complete performances like they did against Marquette. It's going to be it's going to be tough for anyone to beat them.
1: And, and Matt, you know, speaking of adjustments, one of the adjustments you know we had talked about on our basketball preview podcast and we've talked about throughout was the adjustment we wanted to see from Anthony Cowan in terms of sharing the ball being more of a distributor and making smart decisions what did you see of him you know in this weekend you know he was named the tournament MVP and 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 as uh, Jordan said really led this team
0: well first the way he performed in this this entire tournament this entire week he looked like the best player in the country and I don't even think you can argue that he was just on fire on literally every aspect of basketball he played probably the best of his career. He had a career uh, day against Temple. He had 30 points, and he followed that up with 20 points against Harvard and 22 against Marquette. And he was oftentimes guarding uh, Aiken on Harvard, who was pretty much making every shot, but he was all up in his face. Cowan was playing solid defense, just unreal, and then he matched up against Marcus Howard a little bit too, and he shut him down with Morsell. So – I think his ability to now turn his offense into defense and make his defense translate into his offense, he's really become a complete player that we didn't really see the first couple of games where he was taking 10 shots maybe a game and he wasn't really scoring. But now he's scoring, he's passing, and he's playing really solid defense. And I think that something clicked. I don't really know what it is because it's only been these three games where he had complete performances. but. I think having him as the guy, and I, at first I thought it wasn't really going to help this team if they had one guy to go to. I thought this team wouldn't really progress. And you said it, Lila, that they're so deep that they really don't really have that one guy. But I think that if Cowan becomes this one guy that he gets the ball, and he, he seems like he was pulling up from the logo and he was hitting shots. If he sets himself, I don't think he can miss. And it almost looked like that. So if he becomes this guy that they rely on to score, and they have, they know that... Maryland knows that Cowan has their back. Like, this guy... I can't say enough about what he did in the second half of, of the Temple game coming back, and the Harvard game as well. They could have easily lost both of those games, and he really just kind of put the weight on his shoulders and took it himself, and he did an enormous things for this team that I think will continue. But adjustments are an understatement for him he's really become a complete player that we expected him to be he looks like the top 10 player in the country that he was rated going into the year
1: yeah for me it's like i i always knew he could score i mean yes he's he's shooting at a much better clip than he has uh in the past you know currently he's shooting 42.1 uh from behind the arc which is the best of his career and he's shooting you know 46.2 from the floor which is really just incredible um but I'm more impressed with how he's passing the ball and making smart decisions. There's this one play that really sticks out to me from a Marquette game where he pokes the ball out of the hands of Marcus Howard, uh, Eric Ayala picks it up, and Cowan runs to the opposite end of the floor, and he is a guy that comes on him as he's going up for, re- for the layup. A lot of times he would make go for that layup and just hope that he would get fouled if he couldn't make it, but he made the smart decision to pass back to Dante Scott, who then had a monster stunk. Like, you can just see that he's, you know, hesitating a bit more and really thinking about what he's doing before he takes those shots. But if he has a wide-open shot and he's hot, he's going to take it. But you can just see smart decision-making. I mean, in addition to the 22 points, he had six rebounds, four assists, and three steals versus Marquette. I mean, he was named a National Player of the Week by Andy Katz, co-Big Ten Player of the Week, MVP of the tournament. I mean, you said it. He he looked phenomenal. And while I do think there's a lot more depth, you know, you had – players right behind him in scoring he is showing that he can be a leader which I think there's a huge difference between someone who's scoring the most for a team and leading the most for a team and I think he's proven that regardless of whether he's having a good scoring night or not he can be a big leader for the team and I think that is what's really important.
2: He is... He's been incredible, and I think he really was, especially in that Marquette game, they talked about it a lot on the broadcast, Dan Dockich, obviously. People may have mixed feelings about Dan Dockich. They kept calling him
1: Anthony Wiggins. It's Aaron Wiggins.
2: (laughs) That was was the other guy, but obviously Dan Dockich, very controversial guy. People like him, people hate him, but one thing I thought that he said that was really smart was he said, Cowan's playing with a chip on his shoulder. Everyone's talking about Marcus Howard. Marcus Howard this, Marcus Howard that and rightfully so. Marcus Howard is an incredible player, but Cowan showed that he can rise to the occasion, and, you know, with some assistance from his teammates and shutting down Marcus Howard, I mean, he contributed to that as well. I mean, he just, he shined above the rest, and he solidified himself as the MVP of this tournament. He was, he was incredible, and I think Maryland has their go-to guy. I mean, it's nothing against Jalen Smith. He's a great player. I feel like the debate going into the season was who was going to be that go-to guy, who was going to be that go-to scorer, and I think we're seeing it's definitely Cowan right now, and I think and Marcel
1: he, is really stepping up too. Yeah.
2: And I think I think Cowan also he's trying to prove to NBA scouts that he has a future in the NBA. He he declares for the draft last year. I, if I'm not mistaken, he had one workout with the Sacramento Kings. That was it. It was basically a formality that he was going to come back. And I think he wants to show NBA scouts that well, he may not have the size, and he may not have. You know, the crazy athleticism that some of these younger guys have. He's someone that you can have on your roster and is going to contribute for you. And I think that he's shown that so far. I think he has completely changed the perception around him uh, to start the season, especially after the Orlando tournament.
1: And you talk about that mindset. I think the biggest mindset for him that he and I have talked at length about and, and I've written a couple of stories about is he really realized, you know, this is my last year. I want to hang a banner. You know, he told me I want a ring at the end of this year. Um, of some form and so he has really made an effort to put the team before himself in the way he's making decisions um in the way he's looking at the floor and um also like from guys have told me he just seems looser and happier in practice like he just seems like he's really changed his whole mindset and i think that's really paying uh dividends and uh you know now they'll have it these big games coming up and it looks like the big 10 is you know becoming uh before the season it, it it wasn't really sure. It seemed like it was really top-heavy, but now it seems like you're starting to see a lot more depth, and so they're definitely going to need him. I mean, in the rankings this week, you had three Maryland teams in the top 10, two of which were in the top four. Uh, three you had, Big Ten teams. Yes, sorry. Three Big Ten teams in the top 10, uh, four in the rankings, and then two in the top four. Uh, you had Michigan Volt into the number four spot after two really big upsets, and then number six, Ohio State. And then you've got Michigan State, they're uh, still in the top 15, who dropped to number 11 after being upset by Virginia Tech. And then you've got Purdue, Indiana, and Penn State all receiving votes. So I, I think that it's going to be a competitive year, and they're going to need his leadership as the competition increases. And it showed that he can be that leader um, when the competition increases, and he, you know, he showed that against Marquette.
0: I think with Cowan, it's also his experience, not just the way – He plays on the court, but what he's experienced in the past, he knows what it's like to play in an NCAA tournament. He knows what it's like to be a top three team in 2016 he was. So I think – and he also knows what it's like to get upset and lose and have your season end in terrible fashion. He's had that happen. So I think having all that under his belt, he's come in, and you said changed his mindset, and he really is playing for something. And you can tell um, he just – he was – absolutely phenomenal one of the best performances I've ever seen from any basketball player I think in this entire tournament
1: and now we're gonna get into a bit of better matchups though honestly I'm pretty upset by this ACC Big Ten tournament matchup Notre Dame I mean you guys were like on the podcast earlier this season I was kind of going off about it I mean they could have I won't get too much into it but let me just say they could have gotten Louisville Duke obviously wasn't going to play us but this would have been a great year for Louisville North Carolina. I would have loved Miami just to see Chris Lykes and Anthony Cowan, uh, WCAC rivals, go back at it again. Um, Though he will face Prentice Hub, who was also a rival in the WCAC. Um, And I think this will be an interesting matchup. And then you've got Illinois uh, later this week. They're marketing it as Fight Week, uh, which is interesting. And we will be getting into after we preview these teams, the best uh, fighting mascot names. And there are some great ones in there. But you know, what do you guys think of Notre Dame? It's kind of hard to say in my mind, because the only really good game they've had was against number nine UNC, and they uh, lost that game.
2: Notre Dame's an interesting team to me. I mean, historically, under Mike Bray, they're a phenomenal program. They're coming off a rough season. They did not make the NCAA tournament last year, but they had been marketed as a team that was supposed to be a little bit better this year, finished higher in the ACC. They start the season off with an 11-point loss to UNC, which I mean, I think that was really their only real test of the season thus far. They played some pretty close games with uh,
1: Not some inferior teams. <laughs> opponents.
2: They only beat Marshall by 10. They only beat Toledo by two. So, I mean, I I think this needs to be a win, and I think that they need they should do it easily. I mean, you're playing a inferior opponent at home. You need to get it done, and I mean. Notre Dame, I, I would say, is definitely worse than Marquette. So, I mean, obviously, they're, not, they're probably not going to have a performance like they did against Marquette again, but I think that they definitely need to – this is a team they should be beating wire to wire, and they really sh- should not struggle with.
1: Yeah, I mean, they finished 14-19 and 19 last year, we're 3-15 and 15 in the ACC. That's just awful. Even if you're a little bit better this year, which I don't think they're significantly better, maybe a little bit, I think that's pretty awful. Um, but one thing that's really interesting to me in this game um, – is that the last four times that Maryland and Notre Dame have faced uh, with Maryland as a top ten team, it hasn't gone very well for the Terps. Now, keep in mind the last of these matchups was in 2002, so it has been a while. But the last four times Maryland was in the top ten, Notre Dame was able to upset them. In 2002, Notre Dame knocked off number nine Maryland, 79-67. In 1984, the Fighting Irish took down number five Maryland, 52-47. In 1981. Uh, Notre Dame was ranked 13th and took down number 10, Maryland, 73 to 70. And in 1976, number 14, Notre Dame took down number eight, number 14, Notre Dame took down number eight, Maryland, 80 to 70 in OT. Now, obviously very old matchups. It's been a while. Um, but you know, I think that they do have to come into this game and really have the right mindset of, yes, we just have this dominant performance, but we can't get complacent
2: cannot get complacent, and I think that's the biggest thing. I mean, they they cannot be satisfied with winning the Orlando Invitational. I mean, this is a team that's built for late March and early April, and I think that they need to show it. They need to come out this week and win both of these games pretty easily, I would say. I mean, Illinois is – we'll get into that a little later, but Illinois is a pretty decent squad as well. But, I mean, I think that this is a perfect opportunity for – Maryland to claim its first win in the ACC Big Ten tournament since moving over to the Big Ten, which is pretty crazy. I mean, it's been it's been a while now since they've been in the Big Ten, and they it just hasn't gone their way in this tournament, which is you know pretty funny. But I think I think it ends tomorrow.
0: And the last time these two teams actually faced was in the two thousand thirteen fourteen season, was the last year Maryland was in the ACC. So Maryland won that game, but. I think in terms of this being, I would call this the first hard test at home for Maryland. They obviously faced Rhode Island. They faced Oakland. We thought those were good teams, but Maryland handled them pretty easily. So I think Notre Dame, a Power Five basketball in a Power Five basketball conference, I think this might be the first time students actually pack the wall in the Xfinity Center.
1: They better. I mean, to have your team at you know number six or number five in the nation, and for no one to show up just drives me crazy like you look at it doesn't matter if the opponent you look at any other top 10 team in the country and their arena is packed because they're showing up for this team it's just like cross sports Maryland students really need to show up better it's really really just not a good look
2: and I mean this I mean this student section and arena had definitely has a reputation for the big games of bringing it and it's definitely one of the craziest places to play in a big game but I, I
1: consistently
2: I yeah it, it needs to be more consistent I mean you look at games like the Fairfield game. I mean, there's just no one there. I mean, not even the sideline student section is filled. So, I mean, it's it's definitely something we need to see an improvement out of. And this team deserves it. They're the number three team in the country. Like, I get not showing up to a, a football game when the team goes three and nine. But, I mean, this is the number three team in the country. This, like, this, that's special. It has, this, a team this team look needs, this needs the support. This, yeah. is, this is – this is something special going on and the team, the team needs the support. And I I think the students will bring it uh, against Notre Dame and also against uh, Illinois. And this being the first test, I think last year when Maryland played
0: Virginia and the, uh, ACC, Big Big Ten, ACC that was challenge. Such a good game. That was also one of the first games where students actually started yeah. to show up. But that that's was such a, a different caliber game.
1: of team, so I'm yeah. kind of worried still. But maybe since now they're number three, students will yeah. show up. Yeah, I think
2: I, I think people yeah. are going to come. I think the numbers. I think the top three rank. I mean, it's crazy that the six, five six, rank. five, and six versus three makes such a difference. But I I do think three top three makes a difference, and I think that people. I think I think it's going to be packed, and this is, Being the first, if it is packed, game of the year, I think that
0: will help this team have so much more energy. And I think that will also help them come out firing like they did against Marquette. I don't know what changed, what they did other than the lineup change, but I don't think it's just switching one guy and Eric Ayala. He is the spark, we keep saying it, but I don't think that completely changes the way that they've been playing all year. So I don't know what it is, but the fans will certainly help them so much. In a game like this, where it's a game they should win, but it's definitely a test against a great coach in Mike Bray, and um, going, he's going—he's in his 20th season now at Notre Dame. So, I think this is going to be a really good game, but another one that Maryland should win, and they've improved to nine and zero.
1: Yeah, and then coming up after that on Saturday, uh, you have the Big Ten opener, which you know students I think should really show up in, in the trenches for um, versus Illinois. Um, you know, Illinois six and two, I think one game that really sticks out to me last season, we had went up to Madison Square Garden for, I think it was, it was some sort of big 10 doubleheader. Was the, uh, what yeah, was the official was, name for it? I
0: don't Hoops know. And hockey,
2: yeah. something, something big 10 Basically, Saturday or something. I don't yeah, know. Basically like, the big 10 just trying to market a New York audience. Yeah, yes. pretty
1: much. Um, and Maryland was supposed to win that game by a lot and they completely blew it to Illinois. It was, uh one of their worst performances of a season when I was just down in Atlanta and I was talking to Bruno Fernando. I was like, so, you know, they're playing Illinois. Like, you remember that game last year? He's like, I'm, I don't remember that. I don't like to talk about that. Um, it's just not – it was just a bad showing. And so I think that Maryland's going to have some fire going to this game. The show of that game was a fluke. Um, and to, you know, prove their dominance over them, uh, Illinois just had a game against Miami in the Big Ten ACC Challenge they were down like 20 points and they almost came back, but ended up losing 81 to 79. They also lost to then number 21, Arizona, 90 to 69. Um, So so it should be an interesting game. I don't think, I think Maryland will win that, but just because of what happened last year, I'm not, I think that it, it will be a challenge. And, you know, you really want to make a statement in the first Big Ten game, especially after, you know, you had this team embarrass you last season.
2: You know, Illinois, it's a program on the rise, I'd say. I mean, Coach Brad Underwood, I mean, you saw what he did uh, when he was at Stephen F. Austin, uh, I think going as far as the Sweet 16. So I think it's definitely a – he's a solid coach, and it's a solid team. But, I mean, I think this is a game they should also win easily. I mean, you saw what uh, uh, another ranked team in Arizona did to them to start the season. And I think that, like you said, I mean, this is a game that – I mean, a lot of these guys on the team are returning from last year for Maryland, so this is definitely a game. Some of them, I think, would have circled and uh, you know trying to get that revenge. And you know, like you said, one of the worst losses of the season last year. So I think I think it should be another easy win. I think as far as skill level, I think Illinois and uh, Notre Dame are probably you know around the same level. So I'll put
1: Illinois like a little
0: bit more.
2: Yeah, easy. probably probably a little better, but I think that. Um, it's definitely a good test to start the season, you know, ease into big 10 play. And, uh, I think, I think that they will, uh, come away from this week, 11 and
1: zero or 10 and zero. The interesting thing about Illinois is that, uh, their scoring is really evenly distributed. We've got, uh, Kofi Cockburn, who's averaging 16.3 points and 11 rebounds. You got Ayo uh, Dosanmu, 15.8 points, 2.4 rebounds. And then Andres Feliz with 14.8 uh, points per game and 6.8 rebounds. So, you know, it's an evenly distributed thing, and so that might be a bit more of a challenge. I feel like a lot of times Maryland has faced a team with um, one or two players that really stick out, but to have three different players that can really be a force of for them, I think will be an interesting thing to defend against. And you mentioned 10 and 0. If they can just win this Notre Dame game, they will start 9 and 0 for the first time since 1998-1999, which says a lot. I mean, that's been nearly 20 years.
2: This is. This is a team that I think Maryland fans are going to remember for a long time, and I think that uh, this start has been special. I think the first real test comes uh, when they play Seton Hall, and I think that... Uh,
1: Penn State, too. Yeah,
2: Penn State, too, but not looking too far ahead of Seton Hall. I think that they really need to, you know, copy that exact game plan that they uh, had against Marcus Howard for uh, Miles Powell, because two very similar players, but sure we'll get into that as that game approaches.
1: And before you duck out of here, I yeah. know you got to duck out. I feel like we have to discuss, it is fight week. We have to discuss the best fighting mascots there are uh, around the country. I mean, some of these are, I think one of them is like international from Tokyo, but there are a lot of very interesting fighting mascots. I'll read you a list first, and then I think we'll each give our favorite and debate a little bit. So, you know, obviously we have the Fighting Irish and the Fighting eye. I still don't understand what an Illini is. I still think it's ridiculous. (laughs) It just makes no sense. But, you know, Uh, you got the Campbell uh, fighting camels, the Delta State fighting okra, the Scottsdale fighting artichokes, the UNC School of Arts fighting pickles, Tokyo University of Agriculture fighting radish, the Lynn fighting knights, North Dakota fighting hawks, Muskingum University fighting muskies the Saint Francis Fighting Saints and the Wooster Fighting Scots. What is your pick?
2: Uh I'm going to go with I like the fighting camels of Campbell. That's a I, th- I think that's kind of funny, I mean. It's not not really an animal you think of as being, you know, too ferocious. I mean, fighting camels, that's that's really interesting. Yeah, and how also, does a
1: camel fight? Just I, like spit in your face? Or? I don't know.
2: I I really don't know. You'd ha- I guess you'd have to ask Campbell University. But I also, I didn't even realize that they, I saw that they were, Mark Marilyn was marketing this as Fight Week, and I did not even put it together until right before we started taping this, that it was because it was fighting a lot, fighting Irish and fighting I was I was like so confused, like what about this week <laughs> makes it Fight Week? I was like, okay, it's kind of cool, but like not really sure why. And then I finally put it together. So if anyone else was wondering why it was called Fight Week, that is why. I will pick
0: the Notre Dame Fighting
2: Irish.
1: Really?
0: Yes, going up against the Terps, but I think
1: like it's not a creative name. It's not to creative, some of
0: these. but it's it's the best one because it's not weird. It's iconic. All the weird these, ones
1: are the best ones. All though. of these
0: are uh, have make no sense. <laughs> they have nothing to do with sports. But you look at you look at the mascot for Notre Dame, even the logo too. It's the Irish guy with his fist put up that he's gonna fight. So. I mean, I haven't really seen these other logos and the other mascots, but I think the Notre Dame Fighting Irish will take that one for me.
1: <laughs> See, I gotta say, I just love the Fighting Pickles. I mean, sure, a, How pickle, does a pickle is not fe- fierce. I don't know, it's not a fierce mascot. Would I like to go to a school with a Fighting Pickle as a mascot? Probably not. But I think it's a great, hilarious it name. Is funny. Uh, I'm a big fan. I think Fighting Artichokes, Fighting Okra. I'm loving the. I'm loving the food ones. I think those are funny. Like just the concept of having a food. As your mascot, I mean, you got the Fighting Orange for Syracuse. Whatever food mascots do you have?
2: I don't know. That's pretty like, funny. Well,
1: why would you make a food as your, as your mascot?
2: I like it. I think it's funny. The <laughs> I artichokes. I can't think of any other ones.
0: What about the Fighting Terrapins? <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, would a Terrapin, like, I feel like a Terrapin would definitely, like, eat an artichoke or pickle or any of these foods. I would love to see a matchup between a Terrapin and a camel. I don't know what would go down there.
2: I like, I like the camel, probably, just based on size.
1: Yeah?
2: I don't know. I feel yeah, like you'd have to see. you have to give the edge to the camel.
1: All right, well, thank you for joining us yes. for part of this thank podcast. You. Thank you for
2: having me. Always always great to uh, talk Terp hoops, and uh, we will uh, be back for the Terps and the Pros podcast later this week.
1: And make sure to follow our film breakdowns that Jordan is doing for Maryland basketball. Uh, where you can see analysis of all the different plays from the games, we're one of the only publications to do that. So make sure you stay tuned for that.
0: So now we'll go into the Maryland women's basketball side of things, where they still stay at the number nine ranking in this week's AP poll. It makes but no sense. It does not make any sense. They're seven and one. Their one loss is to a top ten team. I think they were eight in South Carolina. Their Maryland has now won six straight games,
1: and they've dominated. In and that.
0: they absolutely destroyed. This game, we're going to get into Clemson and Belmont. They played in the Day- Daytona Beach Invitational. But this game against Belmont almost seemed kind of personal. Obviously, it wasn't. There's no relation there. But they only allowed three points in the first quarter and three points in the third quarter. I mean, that is just mean.
1: Yeah, 90-26. to 26. Like, that that is that's like, insane.
0: That's like a high school game almost. Maybe they're like,
1: you know, showing from a guys for an NCAA tournament, like, yeah, Maryland should have beat you. I don't know.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that's like a high school game that, like, LeBron James and Dwayne Wade's son would play against like the <laughs> worst school in the country, and they would just win by. Uh, I, I I have no idea how that that happened because I couldn't get the stream. But it was a 90 very weird to 26 stream. is just that is just mean.
1: Yeah, they've had like a string of they've had numerous three point victories so far this season. I mean, the fact that they have not moved up in the AP poll makes zero sense in my mind. There's no reason why they should still be at the number nine spot at seven and one. And it's not just being 7-1, and one, but the way they've beaten certain teams.
0: Right. And you can argue, like, oh, they haven't really played anyone except South Carolina, but Clemson's a Power 5 team. I, I
1: mean, mean, they're not good. They're but not yeah.
0: good, but Maryland is blowing the doors off of these teams. And, I mean, they beat Clemson 63-44 and then Belmont 90-26. And just the fact that – how do you allow six points in two – combined two quarters, you only allow six points? That is just absurd. Yeah. I don't know how that's possible. I feel like I could score 6 points.
1: And that and this those team. 3 points in the third quarter was at the beginning. They had them scoreless for the entire rest of the third quarter. Like it was ridiculous. It was like a 28-0 run or something like that.
0: Well, Blair Watson had a great week. She was named Big 10 player of the week honorable mention. She had 19 points and 5 rebounds versus Clemson and then 9 points and 6 rebounds versus Belmont. So, back-to-back games for her just she's shooting really well. She's picking it back up. She's now starting. Uh Diamond Miller is kind of taken a step back and not really starting that much anymore. As well as Stephanie Jones and she's been replaced by Shakira Austin. Austin had 17 points, 8 rebounds, 2 assists versus Clemson, 9 points, 3 rebounds versus Belmont. She's also scoring and rebounding really, really well. Kyla Charles, I think, had her best game of the year against Belmont. She had twenty points and five rebounds against that team. So I mean we talked about her having a slow start, but it's I I think Charles picking it back up is sort of like the way Cowan is picking it back up. They both I don't I want to say Cowan had a slow start because he was still playing really well, scoring double digits, but now he's on a tear, obviously. And Charles started out pretty slow for being an AP to, uh, preseason All-American, but I think she's kind of showing that she is that kind of player.
1: Yeah, and now uh, Maryland will have a big test coming up. They got a good matchup for the ACC Challenge. They'll be facing number thirteen NC State. Uh, in Raleigh North Carolina Uh, they'll be on the road their first ranked matchup on the road which I think will be really interesting for them Um, you would love to see them have a better performance than they did against South Carolina and I think just the way that they've won uh, their past six games um, you know the past five have been in really dominant fashion I think that could give them some really good momentum going into this game and I think if they win this game there's no question that they need to be moving up I mean I think they already should have but this is a game where I think they can really make a statement.
0: Yeah, I think this is their... This is the game where if they lose, they're kind of like, oh, this is kind of what we expected. But if they win, it kind of proves that they're they're better than people are... They're better at least than the, the AP poll voters are saying. I think this is a must win for them. This isn't a game that you can drop. You can't drop your second game to a ranked opponent and then, you know, you have two two more non-conference games that are pretty against pretty weak teams in Loyola and Georgia State and then Big Ten play starts and you face Michigan in that first game who's currently ranked so I think this is as close to a must-win game as possible this early on in the season Um, their record would still be seven and two but they need a ranked win in order to move up in that poll so
1: yeah and also because you're not going to be facing as good of ranked teams in the Big Ten it's just for women's basketball is not as strong as it is on the men's side in terms of having ranked teams and so I think also in terms of the end of the season and seeding you need to show that you can have a big win over you know the number 12 team number 13 team in the nation uh, in this game I think that's really important
0: yeah this is as I said it's it's as close to a must win they have to make a statement here and this is kind of a game like last year when they faced South Carolina on the road and they blew the doors off them. So I think with everything, how everything's rolling, I mean, a couple games ago, three games ago now, they beat Quinnipiac 107-52. to They beat George Washington 88-54, to and they beat Delaware 90-55. to I mean, those are five straight blowouts that they've had. I think if they take all that momentum, which they have all the momentum in the world, I don't know how they haven't moved up. We we said they're still number nine. I don't know how they haven't moved up higher. Um, but this is a game that if they take this momentum, they should probably defeat North Carolina State in pretty easy fashion. But they're going to have to rely heavily on uh, Ashley Awusu, who's now the leader, so to say, as a freshman, a point guard, and they're going to rely heavily on Kyla Charles and Taylor Mikesell as well. But I think this is a game that Maryland does win. Um, they just have all the momentum in the world. Everything's going in their favor, but that'll be on Thursday night at 7 p.m.
1: Right, and as we wrap things up here, we will talk for football a little bit. It's the end of the season, so let's kind of take everything into perspective and talk about it a little bit. Maryland finished 3-9 uh, and nine with seven straight losses to end the year of a team's worst record since 2015, not winning a game since October 5th. I thought this past week against Michigan State was going to be a complete blowout, but Maryland managed to keep it close, only losing 19-16. to uh, And they could have won it, but they really, again, as we've seen throughout the season, had sloppy turnovers and didn't take advantage of opportunities when they had them, when the defense created opportunities. The offense could not take advantage. Just overall, what are your thoughts on the season compared to what you thought at the beginning of the season to you know, now, but we're all the way through.
0: I think this is the most disappointing turnaround for any program, any, even a professional team that I've ever seen. Um, And I'm a New York sports fan. So I deal with that a lot with the Mets, the Jets, but we won't get into that. Even the Knicks, but I think this is... Even the
1: Knicks, especially the Knicks. Especially the Knicks.
0: Knicks. (laughs) But uh, they started out blowing the doors off of these teams. It's kind of like how the women's basketball team is doing now. They're just destroying teams and... Yeah, the Syracuse talk, game really Syracuse, fooled us. Yeah, that that was a little like a, a little tease, I think.
1: Um I've I've never seen a come down like that, you know?
0: That was probably the most electric Maryland Stadium had been all year. Well, after that it really didn't get close I to the I mean Penn the State it was, but then it, it
1: emptied after yeah, like a little bit. Penn State the first quarter and then it was
0: fourteen <laughs> nothing or whatever it was, and everyone's like, Okay. I mean, I don't know. I I there's not much to say about it, but without getting personal and going at people. But I think this is – you can't. I don't even know who to point fingers at because everyone's going to say, oh, Loxley is terrible, but it's not him. This isn't his team. Th- these aren't guys that he recruited. But Maryland has the talent. They do. And
1: I mean, they had a ton of injuries this year, which I think did play a burden, but they definitely did not play up to their talent.
0: They didn't play up to their talent, but they had injuries. and Most the... ACL
1: tears of any FBS school in the country.
0: Yeah. And the fact that they play in the Big Ten and the Big Ten East specifically with Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State. It's just you're not – this team has to really change a lot in the near future if they want to compete because Ohio State's not going anywhere.
1: But even the games they should have won, they didn't win. You know, even the games that,
0: uh-huh. against
1: the lesser teams, the Big Ten. I mean, the only team in the Big Ten they beat was, Ru- was Rutgers, right?
0: Yeah. Like, 48 that's it. 7
1: Yeah, that's Um, Rutgers. And honestly, I think Maryland has a chance to be worse than Rutgers next year because, and we'll get into that in a little bit, uh, because I think next year it's just, I don't see this going up anytime soon. I really don't.
0: Well, early on in the season, I think I said they would go six and five, no, six and, I don't know what I said, six and six maybe. Uh, or I don't know if I said 7-5 and five or 6-6. Six and six. I think um,
1: you said 7-5. and five. I think I we did, both did. I was, yeah. I was way too optimistic. Very
0: optimistic. New coach. The whole, it was a it whole looked like they had a lot of change. talent. I, I thought they were going to beat Howard, Syracuse, Temple, and then I thought going into Penn State, they were going to win that game too. I did not. There was just – the easiest game of the year, I thought, would have been Minnesota, but Minnesota is a top-10 team now. So I think everything just kind of didn't go in their favor, and they really – I mean, they should have beat Indiana.
1: And that Nebraska game was just an embarrassment. I mean, a team that's yeah, clearly that struggling, was coming off of like five or six losses, and you just get completely blown out 54-7? to seven?
0: There's no, there's really no explanation to this, but they have to change something, especially with how much of a shakeup this program is going to have roster-wise.
1: Yeah, so we get into that roster-wise shakeup and players leaving. Now, this week, you have had four players just enter the transfer. We're recording on Tuesday, um, as of 2 p.m., four players enter the portal on Monday. Uh, you had the Gaddy twins, uh, Brandon and Brian Gaddy. And then you had uh, tight end uh, Rob Schwab and punter uh, Paul Inzario. Um And then you've also had four of our players leave since October. You had Sean Savoy leave the program. And then you had Tyler DeVera enter the transfer portal um, and there are a few others that will pull up here as well. Um, it seems like the Gattie Twins were kind of the big one. Um, and it's interesting because you wonder if players are leaving or if they're kind of being forced out because I've been hearing um, just a ton of different things. The other guys you had leave, um, wide receiver Jaden Kama, and then defensive back, uh, Trayon Collins. Um, and, I mean, regardless of what's happening, it's not a good look to have eight different players leave since, like, mid-October. Um, it's just really not a good look. And then you talk about roster turnaround. I, I don't think this team will win two games next year. But I mean, I think they'll win two games max, because basically next year, in my opinion, I think that both Leak and McFarland are gone. Leak led the Big Ten, um, in yards per carry, um, proved to be one of the best players in the country in terms of kick returns. I think that he will get a shot at the NFL easily and be able to be a you know third. Anywhere, I think, from like a third or fourth to seventh round pick. Um, I think that McFarland, I was a bit concerned because he didn't have the best year. But I think last week against Michigan State, he kind of showed that, hey, like, I wasn't doing well early early this year because of the ankle injury and kind of showed the McFarland that we're used to seeing. And, you know, obviously, we all know about his freshman season. So those guys have one year left. But I honestly think that they both leave. Um, And then you've got Antoine Brooks leaving. There's been a lot, a lot of chatter about Nick cross possibly leaving um there's been a lot of discussion about him possibly ending up at penn state and nothing has been confirmed they're kind of denying everything right now but there's a lot of chatter about him leaving especially after an impressive freshman season um you're losing a lot of the core along the offensive line uh you're losing tino ellis uh for the defensive back room as well um and we don't really know what's going to go on with the quarterback situation i don't think (coughs) that josh jackson is should be the quarterback of the future for this team um i would like to see tyler to get a chance or lance lejean to get a chance um and i'm kind of curious to see what happens with tyler sue because i honestly think he should have been played more towards the end of the season and he wasn't he's a loyal guy i don't really see him leaving but i think that it's going to be a very interesting next couple weeks both in terms of roster changes and if anything happens with the coaching staff i mean how concerned are you for the future of this program
0: at least in near I'm fairly concerned for next year and the year after that, but I think once Loxley gets his recruiting path, it's going to take a long time for this team to build its way up again. But
1: I just feel like it's hard to pitch a kid to want to come here at it this is. point.
0: They're a very low point in pretty much every way, shape, or form that you could recruit. Maryland is on the lower tier of landing guys, and it's it's disappointing almost that they have so much talent, but they just had they didn't use it well and
1: And they're not gonna have that talent actually, which is not. a sad thing.
0: Literally every person you every player you named was among their best players on whatever side of the ball. Their best special teams player is probably leaving in Javon Leek. And he's one of their best running backs as well. And Anthony McFarlane's probably leaving. You mentioned Tino Ellis, who missed Antoine a Brooks, lot of yeah. times. You, Antoine Brooks. They're just so many guys that are going to be gone, whether it's whether they're seniors or going to the Tyler NFL. Mabry. Tyler Mabry, even so, it's just there's really no bright spot to look forward to, especially if Nick Cross leaves. I mean, he looked again, like a young gone And again, that's not Antoine confirmed.
1: Brooks. We don't know, but I right. mean, if I'm him, I would, I like if I'm in his position. You clearly can play at another school. I mean, he had two interceptions as a freshman, not even starting every game um and uh had over like 45 tackles or something like that so i mean i think that there are other programs that would want to recruit him and can make a much better pitch than Loxley can as to him staying here and then in terms of the quarterback situation some people are saying that they think josh would want to transfer but i don't think he's going to want to do a third transfer there's also at the same time there's got to be a concern yeah and there's also got to be a concern of having like no o-line for any quarterback i mean People yeah. mentioned Lance Lejeune and as a possibility, but I think that he kind of sees that he's a quarterback of the future here and wouldn't want to do that. But, I mean, I think that Lance needs to start. Lance or Tyler should start next year. I mean, obviously you'll have a quarterback battle, but I, I just don't think that Josh proved that he can make the right decisions for this team. Um,
0: Pigroom's going to be gone as well. He's probably going to transfer.
1: Yeah, if I, if I was Pigroom, I, I would transfer, Um, I, I think, as well. just because Sort of I,
0: like a Kasim Hill idea.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm not sure what will happen there. I I guess we'll see. But in terms of the staff, I think if you're looking, if you're ignoring the stuff that Maryland has gone through, like in terms of scandals and and just everything with Jordan McNair and and all the turnover, it would be the smart decision to fire Hoke, I think. I I don't think he did a good job. Um, Or to even like think about Scotty Montgomery. I don't know. I think something needs to happen. I definitely think the offensive line coach needs to go. The offensive line was horrific this year. Um, But other people on the B have told me that they think that Hope will be gone. Uh, Some people have said they think Scotty's going to be gone. But in my mind, I don't think that Maryland wants to go through another, like, thing of a coaching change. Another, like, big headline. And also, like, who's going to want to come and coach here right now, you know? Like, I feel like it's going to – that will be an uphill battle. So it's going to be really interesting to see what changes come in this offseason – Um, I I don't think Loxley is going anywhere, though. Um, His contract was just renewed because it had been a year, so now it's automatically through 2024. And the school just can't afford to make any major changes right now, but I I guess we'll see what happens in terms of coordinators and and smaller positions.
2: I
0: think if they're going to make changes on the coaching side, they have to find... Someone to replace them. Yeah, they have to find someone re- to replace first, it.
1: exactly, because I they don't know who would want to we come here.
0: They, yeah, they can't just say, okay, you're gone, you're gone, you're gone, and clean house, and then all of a sudden, nobody wants the job. Even though it is a good job, they were a Big Ten football team. I mean, many coaches want that job, but I think something needs to be done, something has to change, and a lot is going to change on the player side of things. And I think it'll be very interesting to see what goes down. And I think you said it best. I don't know if they'll win two games next year.
1: And the one thing that it now seems that Loxley, because he's not having the most luck in terms of recruiting, is go on from high school levels, looking at a lot of JUCO kids. Um, and actually, they have are recruiting a bunch of kids from East Indy, which was on Last Chance U. And I think the one thing that concerns me about that, and now this is just from what I had seen on the show and what I know about those schools, and a lot of you know those kids get kicked out of programs to go to those schools is you have to wonder then what's going to – how he's recruiting and just the discipline because you had two players have DUIs this year, which is a horrible, horrible look for a program. It's an embarrassing look. I mean, just go get an Uber. It's really not that hard. You're putting other people's lives at risk, and it doesn't seem like the program has any control over its players. And I think the last thing you want to do is bring in a player that has a history of having similar issues. Now, I'm not saying that any of these kids necessarily do – I'm not saying it's a generalization, but it is something that is that a lot of those, that's a reason why a lot of those kids ended up at Indy State from the things I've read and seen. So he's clearly trying to change the culture and I just don't know how successful that is going to be. And I just, the recruiting just doesn't seem to be going very well. Um, And that's a big concern.
0: And I think it's also a concern that, Two players can have a DUI and still remain on the on the team? Yeah. Um if I was the coach or whoever is leading this program, I would I would kick them off the team. In yeah. that second. I mean, that happens in the pros and they get fined or they get suspended automatically. Like there's never been a time where
1: or you go to a, jail. Like or
0: yeah, even that. But there's never been a time where a professional athlete has Had a DUI or something like that and not been suspended or fined at least.
1: And those are kids that are even like of age,
0: you know? Right. And then these are. And it wasn't just a DUI, it was all
1: these other like resisting arrests, all these different traffic violations. I mean, it's just. It's
0: it's horrible, it's a bad look, and I'm just shocked that nothing was done from a uh, standpoint of kicking them off the team or something, I, or even...
1: Yeah, to just say, oh, we're just going to redshirt him, yeah, and that, now... that
0: doesn't make any they sense. They basically
1: said, oh, we're just going to use this to our advantage so that we can have this kid for another year. Like, that's not the response you should have when a right. kid puts other people's I, lives at risk by driving under the influence.
0: And I think that shows that uh, if if you make a mistake as a player whether it's that or another thing, whether it's smoking or whatever they do. And
1: they show up the press conferences smelling like they've just smoked. Like there's doesn't seem to be discipline.
0: Um, <laughs> like several, it
1: happens every week.
0: I think that the fact that players are getting DUIs and not, uh, not uh, receiving a suspension or, or something, I think that shows that other players are like, okay, I can do this too. Uh, nothing's going to happen to me. So they just go and party as well. And, I mean, this is a season where if they were a Clemson or an LSU or an Ohio State, and that happened,
1: I, I don't mean, think it makes that big of a difference. I mean, you're still putting someone's life at risk.
0: I think it makes a difference if they weren't, if they were even attempting to do that. I think if you're, if you're a, a te- if you're on a team that's going to make a run at the college football playoff and go to the championship and. You have the audacity to do that. It just doesn't make any sense. You shouldn't even be on the team. And I think it goes it's the same thing for a team that's three and nine. You're in a Division One college football program. Even in anyone, a random person on a street that isn't an athlete shouldn't be doing that. But I think it's just, it's kind of absurd that nothing was really done to that. It was kind of brushed under the rug and just say, okay, we're going to redshirt him.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was never like fully announced, you know, everyone had to go and find it. And I also think the thing is, I think that can hurt recruiting. Um, If I'm a parent, and I see that this is a program where, you know, kids clearly aren't really being watched and just getting these DUIs, like I don't want to send, as a parent, I wouldn't want to send my kid to a school where it seems like he's going to be influenced to make bad decisions or isn't really being monitored properly. And these kinds of things are happening. I think that could end up hurting uh, the school a little bit.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's very interesting. Especially, I want to I want to hear it from a athlete that's getting recruited. I want to hear from that kind of side of things and how they out how they see Maryland as opposed to other programs and stuff like that. Because we really get the side of the players and the coaches, and we can see that firsthand. But we don't really know what it's like for the other guys that are getting recruited by other schools and stuff like that. But I think this is just such an interesting time in this in this program where. So much has gone wrong on the field, off the field, and I think so much is going to change, but I'm not sure how much is going to change for the better.
1: Yeah, and stay tuned with, to Studio Times for all of our coverage of everything going on with the football program and with an exciting basketball season to come.
0: Yeah, I think this, this week should be pretty exciting for Maryland men's basketball. So that will do it for this edition of the Testudo Times Weekly Podcast. We thank you for joining us, and as Lila said, stay tuned with all of our coverage at testudotimes.com.